Dateline, Salt Lake Telegram, December 27, 1925. Quote, Murray, just seven miles from the heart of Salt Lake, beckons with wonderful opportunities. Its growth is well realized by the progress it has made during the past year. The growth of Salt Lake's neighbor has been remarkable and its future is still more promising. Murray combines in a remarkable way opportunities for business and ideal home conditions. Mayor I. Lester says it is planned this year to provide a paving of the main business street of Murray from Cottonwood Creek to 61st South Street and make a great white way with many other new features. Murray is also an ideal place for a manufacturing center and forms a hub for the railroads with ample space for yardage. The paved highways, the modern streets, the beautiful playground park for children away from the busy traffic all tend towards making Murray the place for prospective home and business builders. Murray City owns and operates a most excellent water system an electric light plant, which furnishes water and light for practically all the homes and businesses of the city. Murray has a first national bank building of which it can well be proud. The Murray Laundry also represents just one of many big industries giving employment to a large number. The American Smelting and Refining Company is also contemplating improvements, all of which will go towards making a greater Murray in 1926 than ever before. End quote. I'm Wendy, this is Demolish Salt Lake, and a discussion about preserving historic Murray with the Historic Murray First Foundation. Murray City has suffered some great losses in the last few years, including the Murray First Ward and its Carnegie Library. The Historic Murray Foundation was organized to save these amazing buildings and has been doing great work ever since. I invited Rachel Moreau, Vice President of the Foundation, to have a chat about Murray, the history of Murray, the Foundation, and saving Murray's historic built environment, specifically the Arlington School, which is in danger of demolition. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do too. Hello, and welcome to episode 26. I'm really excited today. I have a special guest here with me. Um, I would like to introduce Rachel, and um, I'm going to let her tell you where she's from and a little bit about herself and her foundation. Hey, Wendy. It's exciting to be here. Um, followed your work for a number of years now, and uh, really grateful that the Demolish Salt Lake podcast exists. Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my name is Rachel Moreau. I'm currently the uh, vice president of the Historic Murray First Foundation. Um, we formed back in 2018 in an effort to uh, to advocate for and to try to save the old um, Historic Murray First Ward and the Carnegie Library that was next to it was being used as um, – a, a charter or private school at the time, and uh, the the school that owned or the people that owned it and ran it as a school um, had come to the point where they needed to sell the property. I think it was in some kind of a family trust, and they needed to sell the property, and the, the buildings had gotten really run down. And um, that's always a sad thing because uh, then it creates it a situation where it's easier to justify the teardown of a historic right. building. And the, the the Carnegie Library is the one, I mean, they both both of them break my heart, but the fact that Murray had a Carnegie Library and did not 
understand the value of that. Right. And 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 that actually goes way back because they had um, altered the facade of it. It was one of those beautiful um, classical style with the columns on either side. Um, it was a lot different back in its day. Yeah. When, when uh, it was established as a Carnegie Library, it was beautiful. And then in the 70s, um, architecture was had a rough time during the 70s. <laughs> we lost a lot of good really stuff. <laughs> yeah, 70s were hard on historic buildings. Um, and they had put some kind of a modernized facade on it um, with just like long windows. And I think it was like aluminum cased windows that were very, you know, of the era. Right. And just... Um, just turned it into something that wasn't recognizable as a Carnegie library. So that was the first hit that poor building took. And then, um, and then in, it was March of, I want to say, yeah, it was March of 2020. Um, right as the world was falling apart. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, we lost, we lost those buildings. Um, the, the property had finally sold to a developer and um, the, the city of Murray was particularly unhelpful at that time in the administration. We had been appealing to them to buy the property uh, with the RDA and they weren't interested in taking on another historic property. And then they very much wanted to, to push forward development. And so they were on the side of that and it got very acrimonious. There were lawsuits and, and different things that came up and that might be a detail for another time, but um, we ultimately lost those buildings. But that was what prompted us to found. And then after after we lost those buildings, um, it, we had to determine whether we wanted to go on as a foundation because we had initially formed as the Historic Murray First Foundation. And the reason we chose that name was uh, a couple of reasons. We wanted it to serve two purposes. Um, that, of course, it was for the historic Murray First Ward, and that was what we founded around, but also that historic Murray itself should come first. Right. And that was the purpose of the name. Um, and and so we decided we would carry on with our advocacy efforts um, at, at that, I think it was when we were able to reconvene and things were starting to open back up, we had a we got back together had a board meeting about it and decided we were there were other things that could use help and advocacy there are not a lot left but we just determined that as long as there's historic buildings that they deserve some they deserve some voice what's left needs some yep. advocacy yep so that's the beginning it was and it was actually three three friends from the same neighborhood um myself and uh Kathleen Stanford and um and Lloyd Jones all formed this 501c3 together, and then we've built the board since then. It's a small board, but we are very passionate, determined people. So you can get a lot done with few people and, and that right. component. Right, so, right. Yeah. And I think it's a good example of what can happen when people put their mind to doing something yeah. to better the community. Yeah, and and then getting that excitement in into the community, reinfusing that into the community because a community suffers every time they lose a piece of the fabric of what makes up the fabric Absolutely. of their city. They, it, it's, a, it's a mental and emotional toll that it takes. And, and people have gotten very, I guess, disheartened with all of that that's happened. And, well, they never listen to us anyway. We always hear that comment. You know, we, we try to get people to go out and say, hey, you know, this is what we, the voters and the citizens and 
the taxpayers, the stakeholders of this city want to have happen. And, um, and then we end up losing another building or another couple of buildings to right. new development. Yeah. And it feels like, like there isn't, there isn't a voice for the people, but we're trying to change that up and say, you know, well, we need everybody. We need all of you who care to not give up on this. It's hard not to get jaded. Oh, it is. It is. There was a big psychological toll that happened on, I think, all of it. The people that were in Murray when the smokestacks went down, they got really, really disheartened. That was a big deal. It was a hard thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the smokestacks were, were important. Yes. And that kind of segues back to where you'd asked me to talk about the history of Murray. Right, right. Um, so Murray was a, was a smelting, mining smelting community right smack in the middle of Salt Lake Valley. And um, that was the industry that kept the city just thriving. And it's really a unique place. And that's one reason why I've always been attracted to Murray. So when my husband and I moved back from Arizona in 2014, I want to say, and we started looking for a house, I remember growing up that uh, when I, we'd be driving around Salt Lake with my with my parents, my mom would say, oh, this is we're in Murray now. And they're, they're a great place. They, it, it, I just remember the yards were always really nice and people kept their properties really well. And it was just a very pleasant, charming community. It was very idyllic. It, it was very, and, and still is very right. lovely. And people do want to locate there. And we do want to welcome people to, to come to Murray and invest and put down roots. That's the ideal. Um, and, and she would say, Murray's great. They've always been independent. They have their own school district. They have their own city, you know, utilities. They are, they've always been independent. And that, um, I don't know, I think that kind of, that goes back to where um, I want to say the growth of the city obviously was based on a lot of cosmopolitan influx, mm -hmm. I think, of, of people moving in to... Um, to live and to work with the mining operations that were basically the backbone, um, economic backbone. And um, we've lost most of our mining public buildings. We still have that, um, the ore sampling skeleton building that's yeah. there. And I've always been fascinated by that. I've never been a trespasser, but I've always admired urban explorers. Right. <laughs> and I've uh, always wanted to like I check that place I've out. I've always considered, <laughs> can I get away with? I know. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to do this, but I've always just tried to find a way to drive around the back. And of course you can never get around the back, but um, unfortunately it's become uh, a, a target for a lot of um, graffiti and the city keeps planning on turning it into something, but I think it keeps getting bumped to the back of the priority list. Mm -hmm. And that happens. That's understandable, but it's sad to see it sitting there um, kind of stripped down because it still had, I think it still had equipment and things in it um, before they were in the process a couple years ago of getting it ready to sell or someone had bought it. And then I think the hang up with that was that, um, they discovered that it was super fun, of course, because, of course. you know, right. all of the chemicals they needed to do the smelting process, a lot of that central area in Murray has had that issue. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I think, maybe too costly right. and just prohibitive. So I think there is a way to do that. They did deal with that where the IMC hospital is mm -hmm. and where the smokestacks yeah, were. Yeah, that had to be 
dealt with remediate there too. Yeah. Remediate that. And I understand that's that's a, a big and complex process. And I, I understand that they built that hill that the hospital's sitting on in order to deal with that was part of dealing with that. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So it's kind of on a rise of ground. Yep. I actually had talked to a development company about that and I think they were involved in in working with the city at that time on it. And they had said that that they added soil in order to um, buffer or something. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember it was a while ago. But they did have to, like, remediate and then also create sort of a a difference in the topography for that to sit on. Um, So, yeah, Murray, uh, I love Murray. It's always had this sort of, like, fiercely independent spirit. And um, I, you know, it's, it's always kind of done its own thing. Um, there's we, one of the things that we're wanting to focus on, we need more person power in order to do this because there's not enough time. Um, we, we have wanted to spotlight all of the, um, the diverse ethnicities that came and settled in Murray because there were a bunch. I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize yeah. is because of the mining, there yes. was a vast diversity of people who moved into Murray. And from there, then they moved out of Murray and into other parts of Salt Lake right. and and spread that diversity around the whole valley. Murray's little compared to, like, comparatively, it's, it's small in terms of its, like, centralized sort of commercial industrial mm-hmm. scope. But um, in talking to our board historian, I believe she had said something about um, there being, like, an Armenian neighborhood and there was, like, a Japanese neighborhood and yep. there were, like, all of these little collective, um, ethnic collectives, which I just think is so neat. And so one of the things we have been wanting to do is apply for grants that would allow us to designate where those neighborhoods, like the neighborhoods now, and, and identify the, the, the miners housing that still remains. Cause there is some. Yeah. 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 Right, right down, um, around the state street area. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are still some really adorable neighborhoods down there that have those, those miners houses or the, I don't want to say my, the smelter houses is what I should say. And uh, they had their neighborhoods and it makes sense because, you know, you want to settle with people you can communicate with easily. Right. It would make sense. Right. And so um, we're, it's a lot more than we have the scope to do right now because we're all volunteer hundred percent unpaid and we're just trying to do this in addition to (laughs) everything else in life. But um, that's an ideal. I would love to see little markers at the corners of streets, maybe that indicates that this was the Armenian neighborhood, or this was the, you know, the the Irish neighborhood, or the, right. all of the ethnicities. That would be fantastic. That would be so neat, and it would be such a a great reminder um, to to people that live there now, and like that's a touchstone they can identify with that. Because mm-hmm. I think Murray still does have a lot of. of Ethnic, ethnic diversity, which is another reason it's such an interesting community. Right. It's, it's, there's a lot that people have brought in and they're, they bring their culture and, um, and feel like it's a place where they can establish and, and, and be at home. Yes. And yes. that's, I think, what we all love about it. It's, it's hard um, because what we're trying to do is save our buildings in the face of, you know, new development coming in. And a lot of times people think, well, you're just against new people moving in. And no, <laughs> we would like the city to do it in a way that is responsible and 
and doesn't compromise our historic buildings. Yes. We have a couple of buildings that are on block one, and that was a highly contested thing a couple of years ago. <laughs> it's our it's the kind of the last of our historic main street. And I say main street, um, meaning state street, meaning, right? Although it's it was our on main state drag. street, it was your main drag. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. The, yeah, it's that part where, you know, when you're driving down State Street and you get to that, it's like, oh yeah, here's the remnants of this little old timey main street. Yes. You know, that and and how anachronistic is that, right? I mean, it's on State Street that's bounded to the north and to the south by car dealerships, you know, right. as far as the eye can see and and just modernized businesses. But then you have this little section that you get to and there's these few remaining, there's like a couple of blocks worth of um, historic buildings yeah. there. And we've already lost one of those. Yeah. Um, and I think that probably was in the 90s because I remember yeah. when when one of those, the ends of one of uh -huh. those buildings was was taken down. Yeah. Um, it, I, they had put in apartments, I think, um, where Vine and State intersect. And if I'm remembering correctly, um, I'm sure I'm going to get corrected from the people who know the history better. I'm kind of the <laughs> spokesperson for the board, but but I'm not the best historian on the board. But I remember them saying that there was an opera house. Um, that Murray had a lot of really, um, I, I don't know, it was, there were, I want to say, four or five movie theaters just in that span of a couple of blocks um, between, I want to say, 4800 South and... 53 or well 50 50 50ish 100 south okay. like where the Arlington school is um they had and we have a number of those theaters still standing they've been altered a lot of course mm -hmm. to suit different businesses but um the Murray theater is being renovated yes. and um they're going to um get that back going which is going to be wonderful um I spent many uh, uh, Saturdays yeah. of my youth at the, that. that was the closest theater to where I grew up in Taylorsville. Yeah. So I remember as a, you know, kid that in was the your go -to 70s, entertainment, that right? was our, but I also remember also loving going down to the theater because also because of Main Street. Yeah. Um, it was, it was out of the norm, you know, yes. for where I, where I was living. There was no historic houses, yeah. no historic buildings. And to go to Murray, I was always, I loved it so much because I felt like I could go back in time and I could yes. see what it looked like. And it is just such an important part of my childhood. Like we were, we were talking like it's that emotional attachment yeah. to, to your, your surroundings when you're growing up and you develop those emotional attachments pretty strongly. Yeah. And we still have a lot of people in Murray that are generations of, of families that have lived there and settled there and they want their kids to be able to live there and move back. And, um, and, and people, it, it, it is special. It's like you said, it's a special sort of feeling and experience when you get to go somewhere that's out of the ordinary for you. It may just be one community over, but you know, we were kind of that way with Mill Creek, and it, for us, it was the Villa Theater on Highland Drive, oh, right? Yes. The Villa, I love that. It was um, that was a trip when we got to yeah. go to the Villa. Yeah. It was it was 
you know, special. It was a special occasion or it was a special movie. Otherwise, you know, we would just go see our Disney movies at the the Murray Theater. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I remember seeing Aladdin in the early 90s at the villa. They were still showing movies at that time. And I'm so grateful for the company that moved in and established there. They've made some changes to the facade, but of course. they kept the building standing and they've kept it viable and they've loved it. And they have just really kept it as part of, of the community. And, and it's really telling that there's a huge high rise apartment building going up in the Within back five parking feet lot of it. Of it right? right. Yeah. So it, had they not done that, that could have suffered the same fate. And, right. And, uh, and it's yeah. a good example. I mean, no one would have ever thought that a rug company would move into an old historic theater. Yeah. But it's a really good way to show how our historic buildings can be adapted. And they, I, I studied interior design back in um, interior design back in the early two thousands and two thousand four, two thousand five. And one of our field trips, when I was studying that, we went to one that rug company that was in there. And I thought, this is going to be interesting. Like, how do you have a storefront for rugs? And we went in there and I'm like, because you know, the rake of the floor goes down yes. and it, as a theater does. And I remember, I don't know if it's been changed since because I haven't been back in there, but it was neat because they had these piles of gorgeous, gorgeous rugs just stacked like to the point where you could actually sit or lean against them that many. <laughs> but I think they had kept the rake of the floor. Um, I don't. I don't recall if they evened it out at all, but I do remember still having to go down like you do into a theater. Oh, how fun. And, and so I, they just took the seats out and just let the thing be a showcase for all those gorgeous rugs. So there's a really creative, wonderful ways to keep our buildings viable and serving the community. And I, I will always have just this warm spot in my heart for people who take that on and do it. Agreed. I just love that. Agreed. And then not let them get run down in the process. I think that's the other thing. And that was what was so hard about the first ward in the Carnegie Library was that it was a private school owned by a family. They had bought it from the, uh, I believe they had bought it from the LDS church when the church was selling off a lot of their historic buildings in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, absolute kudos to them for taking that on. But over the years, um, it's difficult with the funding, you know, that you trying to run a school is uh, very expensive and I'm sure difficult to keep, to manage. And then also to keep your building in shape, to right? To keep a hundred year old building. And that, it just didn't happen. That probably <laughs> wasn't in the best shape yeah. when they sold it yeah. or when they bought it. Yeah. Agreed. That, that had most likely not been taken care of. Right. Right. And, and, and then it doesn't get any further, um, upkeep or, you know, as, as the new yes. occupants use it. So it just gets more and more run down. The roof was collapsing and, and the earthquake was happened right around the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I have no idea how that, you know, like how it would have fared, like it would have made it more difficult. Yeah. But as determined preservationists, we never give up and there would always be a way to fix it. Right. 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 <laughs> but then um, you would have to have the money to take that on. And we were madly trying to to fundraise and establish as a 501c3 at the same time Mm -hmm. and it was just too much there were like three or four of us that were trying to pull this off and trying to get established as a 501c3 is a process in itself and there wasn't a lot of time no oh no between when the building when they decided to sell the building as to when the decision was made that was our biggest obstacle that was the biggest problem that we had in fact the day it went down um Kathleen and I were scrambling around trying to 
trying to get our proposals for our, you know, like funding proposals to anybody that we could, that we thought might help us out. But of course we knew it was like kind of hopeless, but we were seriously not giving up. Yeah. And she was on the phone with her lawyers the whole day trying to get them to get an injunction to keep the building up. And I think the city knew that she was trying to do that. And so around four o'clock that day, it's, we, we finally just exhausted ourselves and we got back. I dropped her off and there was a bulldozer in front of the building and it had taken a big chunk out of it. And once then they know that once they do that, it's, it's done. Right. Right. So we, <laughs> it was, it was a real loss. Um, and it took like, like it, it felt like we grieved. We actually grieved yeah. over this. Um, and I know that that's because we're preservationists and everybody was sad about it. Everyone said, oh, it's such a shame, right? And people are so sad to see that go. But, like, we took it hard. Well, it was so difficult. The day that, that they were tearing it down, I drove over there and I parked my car on the other side of the road. And I got out to take pictures. And yeah. one of the people living across the street, that was in front of their house, she came out and and she was telling me how devastated she was and yeah. how sad she was yeah. that she loved the view of this historic building mm-hmm. every day when she came out yep. and that she had hoped so much that it would have been able to be saved and turned into something else. And she was not looking forward to what was going to happen. And so I With think good it, reason. I think it wasn't just you guys. I think there was a, yeah. you know, there was a lot of us that, that cared. That yeah. Absolutely no. grieved yeah. the loss of that. I think since I've gotten into historic preservation in the last few years, that is one of the losses that I'm not over and right. I don't think I will ever be over. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. We were working with, um, at the time Kathleen was working with, um, an architect who was specialized in historic preservation and he had gone to some of the city council meetings to advocate for, you know, make something out of this piece mm-hmm. of property. Right. Um, and he said, he said, this is like Murray's temple square, basically. Like, it could have been such a hub of the community. Right. Like, it could have been, like, it, there was interest in these buildings, but, um, and and people had offered on them, but everything seemed to fall through. Nothing, there, there were people that were interested in the buildings, like they were going to do something with them. But then it, things, it, one thing after thing fell through with that. And, um, well, and do you think that the time that this all took place around the, the yeah. pandemic? Well, it was right Added. before it hit. It was right before everything hit. Nobody had any idea that was coming because okay. like the bulk That's of right. our efforts and our struggles over this were in 2019. And it and it was literally right before all that. So it's like our world became very dark for a few years, <laughs> starting with the loss of those buildings. Yeah. But that, you know, and that was a part of the community and and it mattered to people and when you have a preservation group just starting and trying to reach people saying, Hey, this is happening. This is actually, you know, occurring as we speak. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just fighting the time element is so hard. Right. Uh, We could have gotten the support for it if we'd had more time, but we didn't. And, uh, and we, we, it's a great loss because generations of people went to that building. It wasn't just a church. It was a community um, like, we have some fun pictures on our website of like graduation cl- classes from the early 1900s that were sitting on the steps with their diplomas, you know, graduates sitting there looking all proud. And 
I think they had um, community events there. Mm-hmm. I think it was um, a, sort of a, a public sort of gathering place for the community, which puts it in a in a spot of great importance for generations of people's families. Right. Right. So the struggle always comes down to, well, you can't tell a private property owner what to do with their property. And I understand that. And I do support that. The argument that I have made to the city in response to that is that, yes, that is true. But when you have a building like the Murray First Ward and the Carnegie Library that have served the community as a public um, like institution or commercial space and the community has a collective relationship with it, mm-hmm. it, it's a little bit different, right? And it's like, well, you can't tell someone what to do with their property. Um, okay, well, what about your neighbor that has like a pile of tires in their yard, you know, that becomes a collective habitat for any creature that wants to, do you have a right to, to say something about that? Uh-huh. Do you have a right to is it, is it affecting you? Yeah. Does it affect your life? You know, and that's just a throwaway example, but we do affect each other. And, and I, I feel like there has to be willingness to, from people like in the, in the city, I would say, especially because they hold the levers of power to be willing to take all of that into consideration and deal with it. And what often seems to happen is that as we know, money talks and it talks louder than everybody else. <laughs> right. And that is often what ends up making the decisions. Um, well, and right now there's such a push yeah, for develop, develop, yeah. develop every site we can develop every empty lot. We need development. Well, let me ask you a question. Maybe you've heard this. I, I keep asking this question and getting no reply, which makes me curious. So if we are to add all of this housing, like, like a lot of density where, and I think that's come down from the state. They've asked all the communities to take on a share of, you know, putting density into their municipalities. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, aren't we in a water crisis? Aren't we having trouble sourcing electricity? Like, I mean, our, our Murray journal issue that came out this month with the, um, city official that was being interviewed was be, was asked about that. And he said, well, you know, we're, Starting, there's a there's a shortage of of energy, and we're thinking we're going to have to start sourcing on the market, which will make everything more expensive because Murray has generated some of its own electricity, uh-huh. right? They have their own power plant, so um, obviously there's a strain on that piece of the infrastructure. Yeah. Obviously, you know we're being told, <clears throat> and rightly so, don't water your lawns. We need water for you know for personal use within right. the home. It makes sense. So why are we adding? Why are we adding so much? Why are we being asked by the state to add so much? I wish I had the answer to that. I know. I keep asking the city officials and I don't get anything. I'm like, why don't you have the answer to that? (laughs) I think for me, it's more of a frustration of lack of affordable housing. Yes, absolutely. You know, um, and when we do lose a lot of our historic homes and historic apartments, that is our naturally occurring, naturally occurring affordable, affordable housing, affordable housing yeah. that has now lo- been lost, and there's no affordable housing for those people. You know, they. I mean, the best example of that is going to be the LaFrance apartments. Yeah, you know that entire community yeah. that was displaced. Um, and 
I've actually had quite a few conversations with people who live there who've just messaged me mm-hmm. and and let me know that they had people that were now homeless, oh. that they didn't have anywhere to go. They didn't really have enough time to gather no. enough money to do a deposit. And I think that's my biggest frustration is that we're displacing people for this housing that mm-hmm. then these people can't Cannot afford. afford, right? That's that's my biggest frustration right now is 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 that um, our historic our historic properties absolutely they serve they serve a a, a a greater purpose they do than you know also our love of them and our attachment to them, but they also are there for a good reason. You know, it was interesting. I had the opportunity to be um, at a at a uh, market. I went to to a, a market for my work and in North Carolina during the fall. And I was talking. Of course, I went around to look at uh, some of the historic things that they have. It's much older historic things than we have here, so it was really interesting to me. Yeah. And uh, I got talking to the, uh, I guess the head of one of their one of their um, community, I, I'm trying to remember what it was called. Anyway, um, it was an Amish community and they still had, and they had run a lot of the underground railroad through those houses because the Amish were very um, abolitionist, very mm-hmm. um, pro-egalitarian and and very much in favor of that. And they had all these beautiful old houses and cabins. And um, he was talking about how um, the politicians will come and do photo ops in front of his, you know, in front of his houses that he's preserved and, right. and worked with. Mm-hmm. And he himself was Amish. And he, and they'll make a lot of speeches about how, you know, um, ethnic diversity matters and all of that, you know, in, in relation. And then, and then they turn around and they walk away and they don't care and you never see him again. And they don't do any, they don't do anything meaningful toward helping the situation that they have just gone and given lip service to. Right. And it's, it's a very frustrating thing because I know what you're talking about. There's uh, a lot of problem with unsheltered and it's so sad every time we lose an older building, I'm going to say even, so we have, we have a couple of um, apartments that are on our block one uh-huh. that are affordable housing and uh-huh. people from those that live there have actually reached out to our foundation and say, we like where we live. Can you help us t- to, to save that. Yeah. And this was at a time when the last, the last city mayor and administration were talking about work. And then they were working actually with a, an out of state developer to tear all of that down and build something big and shiny and new, you know, with the, with yeah. the ubiquitous re- street retail and all that. I remember that those plans, seeing and those plans, some of those, some of those folks that lived in those apartments actually reached out to us and said, can you help us to add, we don't want to, I mean, we can afford to live here. It's, you know, not the fanciest, you know, interior place to live, but it's comfortable. It's safe. We know it. We, it's our home. Right. Mm -hmm. And it does matter. And so I think what we're getting pretty done with is having, having them say, there's a need for this. There's, we need more of this and more of this and more of this. And then when we come back with very workable solutions, right? Like, well, this needs to be considered, you know, there's unsheltered folks or there's people that need to have these places to live in because they're affordable, right? They're truly affordable. Um, it's always, we don't really ever get any answers to that. Yeah. So it makes me wonder, you know, it's like, what else is driving it? 
And I, I've been asking myself that a lot over the last little while. Sure. Murray has a lot of apartment buildings already, a lot of new builds, um, some of them better than others. Uh, yep. Um, and we we have done a lot of of infill mm-hmm. and um i don't i don't fight the apartment buildings where, <laughs> except where they want to put them in place of our historic buildings right right yeah people need a place to live absolutely it's just it doesn't have to be every single piece of a city that gets taken over by these new developments right and the people feel that way too Right. Most of them feel that way. Yeah. (laughs) We've had, uh, we had a success with, and I don't know, you know, am I, am I good to keep? No, we're good. Okay. Um, we had a success with that block one because we got the word out to the community and they were doing an open house with the developer that was going to present their vision for it. And we, um, we set up on the sidewalk and we handed out flyers to people and said, you know, would you rather have something that's, you know, human scale, couple of stories high, mm-hmm. you know, that independent businesses can establish in and can afford the overhead? Right. Or do you want this? And then we had a picture of the renderings from the developer. The, the big right? glass square. <laughs> yes. Colorless. Glass and steel. Steel and building. All of that. Nothing stuff. against that. If that's your jam, that's yep, great. Yep. But... In historic preservation, that's not our jam. No. <laughs> no. Um, and and so we got a sizable number of people to come out and and respond to that. And the majority of them were not in favor of the mm-hmm. new build. They were like, we do not want to be living in the shadow of this. It's claustrophobic. It's going to cause parking problems. It's going to be this, that. And they had a whole laundry list of things that it was not going to be good for our community. And the mayor at that time was really pushing it. Um, and he, he, in the Murray journal said that he blamed the failure of that on a preservationist. And I'm like, okay, we, we found that as a success. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that for what it means. (laughs) But, um, what that did was then the incoming mayor, because it was an election year, the Mm -hmm. incoming mayor and his administration, it prompted them to, um, to order an official survey. So they, partnered up with an analytics firm and they actually sent an official survey out to the community and they got, and the responses that they got back indicated that about 65 to 75% of the people favored a historic, historically preserved and historic replicated community that looked like it was inviting in human scale. So even if it is infill, it's sensitive infill yeah, to sensitive. match the surroundings. That can be done. That absolutely can be done. And there are great yes. developers who will work with that. There's some great examples around the valley of of that sensitive type of infill that, yeah. that makes it feel like, you know, it's new, but it settles in quite nicely. They've harmonized the it. Exactly. Yeah. They've meshed it in and they've woven it in. And that's why yes. I keep talking about that metaphor of the fabric of a community right. built fabric. Right, And you get threads of that pulled out every time we lose a historic building until it's so threadbare yep. with either vacant lots, which I'm going to be honest, I prefer the vacant lots to the big, ugly, modern <laughs> buildings. Give me some nice, weedy lot any day, right? <laughs> At least there we still have a chance to, At least we to, have a chance. to do something, right? right. Do um, something good. So it, it, they had ordered the survey and um, the responses were surprising to the city. They admitted that. Um, but they're official, they're official responses. And now we've got this um, controversial 
sale of the old city, Murray City Hall, which is yes, the Arlington School. Which is the Arlington School, which, yeah, this segues nicely yeah. into our conversation with the Arlington School, because this yeah. is the next big fight. It's the next thing. And, you know, I've had people say a number of different things about it. I, you know, every time the city, like I got to be on pretty good terms with um, the city administration because they are trying to do more, trying to find out what the community wants. The last city administration did not care, didn't want, did not have an open door policy, did not want to know. This this administration has been really great about listening to people. Um, don't know, don't know, jury's still out of they're going to like follow through on what they're hearing from the people. I'm fingers crossed on right. that, but they are good about listening and being available to hear it. Good. Um, so they were, I got joking with them. I said, I know you guys think I'm crazy because every time I'd schedule a meeting with them and said, why do you want to save this building? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many reasons. Um it, and I've had people in the preservation community ask that too. It's not that visually remarkable from the outside, but to to me and to us, who kind of are architecture junkies, it's not the fanciest building. It was built in the in ni- the 1930s, around the same time that the um, Murray Theater was being built. Yeah. So there was that art modern. Um, art deco style, which is fantastic. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that marvelous? And yes. how few examples do we have of anything like that in Utah? Ogden has the best examples, does, but yeah. I think, you know, outside Lake. of Ogden, it's it's hit or miss. It is. Yeah. And um, what I would like Murray to do, and I've talked to the city planner about this, and he seemed enthusiastic, I, I hope he was, um, was if we have to add infill, could we do it in an Art Deco, Art 1930s style? Could we do... You know, yeah. could we do an Art Deco downtown? Because it and this goes back to what I was started to say about the movie theaters that Murray had. And when you think about it, and I'm a big time silent movie junkie, I love them. Um, oh, give me a, a 30s and 40s oh, yeah. black and white absolutely detective thriller. I'm in absolutely. I'm with you. Um, it, but it was all of that era where where film was becoming the big entertainment, right? Vaudeville had transitioned into film right. and um, they were, they had, there's a little building across the street from the desert star theater that was the right old, right costume shop. Mm-hmm. And they've moved across the street and next door to that. Um, their business is there, but they had occupied that for a long time. And it was known as the happy hour theater. And it was the first moving picture theater in Murray. Really? And it's still standing. It's not, I mean, it's been many things since it was a theater, but it's still there. But it's still there. Yeah. And then the little building that is just to the south of the Murray Theater, I think it's a, I think it's a tattoo place, but it had also served as a theater. Oh, wow. So there's a couple, Murray still has, I would say within those, that block, um, that sector of, of the State Street area. So we have the Desert Star we have the Happy Hour Theater that was across the street. Mm-hmm. We have the Murray Theater. Right. And then that little theater. And I, it's been a long time since I reviewed the information, but um, I don't remember what it was called. I think it was called, uh, anyway, I'll have to look it up. But it was also a theater. And you can still kind of see, if you look toward the back of it, it's like right next to the post office on okay. State Street. You can kind of see where where it would have, like from the side profile, uh-huh. like how it made sense as a theater. Uh-huh. Um, so one of the things that we've been wanting to do, cause you know, you, you have to talk in terms of compromise and bridges with, 
with, you know, city governments. And I'm like, well, so you're concerned about having, um, your main concern is about having tax base, right? You want tax base. It's always about having that source of revenue. And they're always thinking in those terms. Sure. Like, well, what if we did a cool thing with the buildings that we have that used to be theaters and turn them back into theaters and become a Sundance location? Right. Right. How cool would that be? That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. Right. Um, and I think about like the Tower Theater on 9th and 9th. Yep. And the shows that I've seen when they used to run old 80s movies in there, I think I went back there and saw it. Like I was too young to see it in the eighties when it came out, but pretty in pink, I saw that at the tower mm-hmm. theater, they rescreened it. It was so fun. Um, it, and I look at ninth and ninth and I'm like, they've figured it out. Yeah. They kept what they had. They revitalized it. They made it a vibrant community. Mm-hmm. That is the go-to place. If you want somewhere like indie and unique and yep. has a really vibrant feel to it. Yep. And there's people that want to spend time and money there. And, um, isn't that what every community should want? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I keep talking that up and, you know, I get a lot of nods and agreement, but then, you know, we continue to have to fight this fight over the giant high density high rise stuff. Sure. Sure. And that's what we're afraid yeah. is going to take place at the Arlington. <laughs> so, you know what I'd actually love to see happen there? Um, I, I know that they get the most money out of, because I've talked to the broker, I've talked to the city, I've heard all the comments, I've heard it all. They want that they figure they get the most revenue from tearing everything out of that six acre lot because there's actually like a little, there's a, the old, um, the old school district building. It's mm-hmm. a very low slung, very anonymous because it's so, it's, it's a fifties or sixties. I think it's sixties. But it's so mid-century, and it has this gorgeous, like, aqua rock infill on the front entrance by, by the front door. Nobody loves that building except me, and I will cry when it goes No, down. I love that building, too. <laughs> it's yes. that, I think it's that orange brick contrasted with that aqua-toned quartz that's on the front. I'm like, because they're complementary colors, and I'm an artist, and my awesome. eye just always gravitates to that. But I love it. It's this mid-century relic that has just sat there quietly unnoticed. And, mm-hmm. it, and you know, I mean, we're fighting for the Arlington and we don't have enough manpower to p- fight for that too. And we would absolutely get shot down over fighting for that one. But right. I will be sad when it goes. Right. So the, but the Arlington has a really cool history to it, though. It I mean, so it was built in, what, 39? Yeah, I believe. I, I'm I'm number dyslexic. So numbers make me panic. I never yeah, retain I think, them. I'm I think it opened, I think it opened in the forties in yes. 1940. I think it was yeah. the first class. It was supposed to open that December, but it got, um, waylaid yes. and had to open later, but it was a public works. Yes. And it was a WPA build. And I mean, for those of you that don't know, about the WPA, that was a time where um, depression got, era, the depression yeah. era, and who was president? Oh my gosh, Roosevelt. Roosevelt. It was the Make Work Project, right? Where he put yeah. he put people to work. The Civilian Confers- Conservation Corps, the CCC, the WPA, yep. and there were several other of those alphabet acronyms. Right, and so these were yeah. these were men that went. Um, they paid them. They, they gave them work. lodging. Mm-hmm. They paid them uh, money for their work, and they did beautiful work. and And they were trained in they a were, trade. They were trades. Yeah. So I think that's the other thing that that we we don't think about when we lose a building is all the trades that were put into that building and the time that people took. 
to, you know, do the carvings and the ceilings Absolutely gorgeous. and the flooring, you know, but just the fact that there's not a whole lot of WPA buildings that we still have standing. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because there are several things that nobody remembers or thinks about anymore, but that I will always mourn for. And one of them is that beautiful rock wall that was um, led up to the Bonnie View School. Yes. On, I think it's Second West. I want to say Second West. Oh, yeah. And... I drove by there the other day because I was checking on the historic Murray Second Ward Chapel, where um, that's just down the street from it, mm-hmm. to make sure everything was good with that building. <laughs> it's, it's still it there. <laughs> it is, and it's beautiful. Um, but I, they've 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 tore that beautiful school down. I I don't know I don't know how accurate this is, or if I'm getting the facts right. But my understanding of it was that the Bonnie View School that was up on that rise, that hill. Um, off to the west side of Second West um, was torn down by accident. I've heard that too. And I wonder, like, I, I'm wondering if I'm, like, I think it was a building next door that was supposed to get the bulldozer. And, and they actually tore down the <laughs> And, you know, I'm always wondering, yeah, how much of an accident was that, yeah, right? <laughs> right. You never know. I remember, but, you know, when I was a kid and we were driving on I-15 and you could see the back of yep. the school from I-15. Yep. Um, and I always, it's kind of silly to say, but as a kid, I always found comfort yes. seeing that there. Yes. And I think for me, it was stability. Like, like there were so many things that, if you're a kid, there's so many things that change, right? You're yeah. changing, your friends are changing, you know, there's stuff going on with your family, yeah. you know, what, whatever your it community. It was a constant. Right? Yeah. And there was just always something about seeing certain buildings that were always there. Well, they're that way I markers, can count right? on, right? And I could count on seeing the back of that building, and I looked for it every time we drove by. And then you knew how long, much longer it was till you got I, home. I knew what exit we yep. were, you know, we were at. I knew right where we were. Yeah, there's such a sense of having arrived. Yes, right. And they're tearing out all the places that people have arrived at for generations. Exactly. And anonymizing it. It's not healthy. I'm telling you, it's not mentally healthy no, for we're, community. It, it's our sense of place, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so, you know, example, um, the coachman's. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I had people say, you know, well, it was a crap restaurant with crappy food. Yeah. I get that. It, 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 it was, right? But the signage but was incredible. Again, I loved it. it's that... It's that wayfinding. Yep. It's that sense of place. Yep. It's the memory making. It's the constant. It's all of that stuff that that I mourn. Yes. And I and I know I'm not alone no. when we lose a building. So when that when that school was torn down, it was it was I, I mourn for it too because one of your anchors came I up, lost, right? Exactly. One of the things that kept you connected in was like you're you're that much more adrift. One hundred percent. The same thing when the you know the yeah. the Murray First Ward and the Carnegie yeah. Library came down. That I, was a collective I lost, hit. I lost my sense of yeah. my sense of place. I lost my seen, memories. You've seen what's going up there now. And and it's yeah. Um, if you will go to Murray, uh, historic Murray first uh, Facebook and Instagram pages, you'll see. Um, luckily, because I think the first plan was they were supposed to tear out the historic buildings that surrounded that, those historic apartments, which are amazing. Thankfully, those and are still those being used. Those are still there and still yeah. being used. But it is so, it, it's so 
ridiculously out of place. Oh my word. We posted on our the Murray Citizens page an example of what human scale is versus not human scale, right. which is the seven story, you know, the five the yep. five over two that they're building next door yep. on our it, sacred ground. Uh, <laughs> and right. they literally have that slammed right up against that little fourplex, that little historic fourplex. I mean, it's there's a sidewalks worth, not not even sidewalks worth of space in between those two buildings. Right. It looks ridiculous. It's, it's butted right against it. Yeah. And the building materials they're using are horrendous. It's like this, this, I don't know, it's like manufactured rock or so it's aggregate rock or something. I don't know what it is. And <laughs> Might again, well just print it. <laughs> if, if we had to lose those buildings, it would have been really nice to see something that would have been that harmonized. Part, it would have been a sensitive and it, What's going in there now is the if they could have chosen the most unharmonious infill, for the, they couldn't <laughs> right. have chosen better than this. <laughs> right. And everybody in Murray hates it. Everybody does. Yeah. And I've teased I've teased the city um, admin about the administration about. I'm like, oh, I see. So you guys have built yourselves a new city hall so you can get out of the shadow of this monster, huh? <laughs> Because they have. <laughs> yes. So the Arlington School is is right behind this. Right behind. Um, it's yeah. currently the, the it's city. It's shadow of it, it. It's currently the city. City Hall. City yep. Hall, which the new City Hall is going in behind. It's going on 4800 South, and I believe it's Poplar Street. Yeah, so there Poplar was Street. That, and another point that we mourn is that cute little um, hair salon that was there forever. I'm like, why does that have to go? That's exactly. so great. Exactly. It's like, and, and, you know, the, the WPA wall that was around the Bonnie View School. Uh-huh. I'm like, why did that have to get torn down? Because you know what they're building there now? A big, ugly concrete retaining wall. And they oh, could have preserved. They could have just preserved yeah, the, the that probably was yeah. was doing its job. It really it was. Well. I took a bunch of pictures of it and, um, it, and it was beautifully crafted. It was this, mm-hmm. this horseshoe staircase that curved up yep. to a single um, flight of stairs that would take the children up to yep. the school front doors. Um, absolutely gorgeous. I have so many pictures of the rock, that rock wall, and it was built by all of these people that were either learning the trade mm-hmm. under the WPA and the CCC, or they were um, teaching others the trade. Yep. And it was so exquisite. Right. And um, we have that that Arlington School, which that it has that provenance in history. Um, it's got those neat. Um, I, I want to say, I don't know if it's enamel-topped um, columns that are sort of like face face um, in between the windows yep. on the face of it. We'd have to take off the um, front porch portico edition from the 80s. Because it there. has been. Yeah. It has been altered. Yeah. And, and when you talk to people, depending on who you talk to, they're like, oh, yeah, that can be taken off, no problem. Or if you're talking to someone who's going to be on the side of having it redeveloped, oh, yeah. Yeah, that yeah structurally that will. That <laughs> it's will, been altered yeah. too much. <laughs> So it um it's a two sto- two stories and you know what I think would be great for that and I'm going to try to talk this up. So if they want tax revenue, mm-hmm. they could save that building mm-hmm. and the big battle right now is over height. They want they're going to sell the property. That's a, that's a for sure established sure. thing. But how many stories are they going to be allowed to put up? So that's right. the next thing that the the RDA has to decide. How many stories are they going to zone for? Because mm-hmm. they're going to change the zoning. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be neat if they kept the Arlington and turned it into like a restaurant collective. Now that would be a good Wouldn't idea. Wouldn't that be great? And then yeah. if they needed extra height, they could build it in back of right. the Arlington. Right. Over a parking garage. Because that's the other thing Murray needs is parking, parking for the Murray Theater. Right. Right. So... If they had a parking garage underneath and another 
couple of levels of restaurant collective mm-hmm. that is built sensitively to the style, right. this art modern style, right. you'd have like four stories, four stories. Nobody's mad at four stories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you'd have four stories of businesses that people would totally love to come in and would draw for more than just Murray, right? Because the Murray theater is going to get renovated. Yes. And so you do theater and dinner uh-huh. and you could choose from a zillion wonderful restaurants. Well, and in then the it doesn't feel so intrusive to right. the park. Yep. And that's the other problem they're putting all of this and the park is now officially a hundred years old. There've been additions to it and uh-huh. it is eligible for national historic registration oh, it should absolutely have that on there that's on our docket of things to do with the you know like three or four people that we have right. doing all the work right well at <laughs> the at the end of this we'll let you know yeah. how if you want to get involved in the yes. foundation we'll let you know how yes because we because they badly need volunteers. they desperately need help <laughs> we do and so for all of the history you're asking me about when these buildings were built we have a really great blog post on our website called the three lives of arlington Oh, perfect. Um, and it was written by our board historian who knows Murray inside and out. And She's I will, amazing. I will um, link yeah. in my bio to that so yeah. you can go right there from my bio. And I'll also link it in the show notes. And our blog um, link has um, links to the Great Depression Project. So the, there's other So you can WPA. learn more about the WPA. You can. And those it, just in mention, does mention um, the stairs that overlook the softball field or a WPA project. Amazing. And we have that on our blog too. Amazing. We have a few things that have um, some really neat historical background and people don't know about it. Right. And, and I was really surprised to find the build, uh, the architect of the Arlington was Scott and Welch. Mm -hmm. And they were a a architectural firm from 1915 to 1939 but get this, get what they, they also built, which um, I think is just fantastic. Uh, sorry, I had to get a little closer to my computer. <laughs> um, they, they did the Firestone Tire Building, which is on, oh gosh, what's that address? Um, it's it's down uh, by Rio Grande. Yeah. And that's been preserved. That's such a great the building. The Masonic Temple. It's beautiful. Which is, it luckily is still standing, but um, I... I have a feeling that that's something that oh, no. um, don't tell me it's at risk oh, no. that might be coming at, at risk. Yes. It's beautiful. Yeah. And they did some, some other schools, but I mean, we're talking the, you know, the same architects that built the Masonic temple yeah. and again, in that art deco style, right. Yep. That yep. built the Arlington. Yeah. And I think this is one thing that we're running into with a lot of our schools that are being sold off or being demolished. Um, and I understand that a school district, I'm going to get off a little tangent here, sorry. I understand that a school district, it's not their job to do preservation. No, no. Their job is to educate the children. The children, yeah. I get that. Um, on the other hand, I'm just so sad that like, Skyline, you know, we're losing oh. Skyline that was built by a very prominent mid-century modern that architect. Jigsaw, or that zigzag roof. Right. That sawtooth roof is you know? just irreplaceable. And there's no other places. I mean, nope. they, there's no other places to build schools. And we do need, yeah. you know, the bigger schools. Um, and so Sometimes when we, a necessity. I mean, that's understandable. It's a necessity, yeah. right? I mean, there's a lot going on with West High. And I see both sides, you know, the, yep. the students and the staff deserve to have 
a safe, a safe building, useful building, useful yeah. building you know, That's and on true. the other hand, but you're like, but we got to save it. And, and it's yeah. just this conundrum. It is where the Arlington doesn't fall under that. No. So yeah. we have an opportunity to truly save the Arlington and to, and to bring it back to something that is very um, welcoming to the community and will add right. richness to the community. Well, and how comforting is it to see an old brick building being revitalized into something? Like, it's comforting and it's intriguing. Like, every right. time I see that happen, I'm like, oh, my word, right. they did this. They did this thing. Yeah. Like, that old school that was down um, just south of 106 South on State Street. Yes. And I think it's a Shake Shack Yeah. now. Yeah. Um, the developers were very much um, into adapting, readapting that building. I love but, that. But keeping it, like I, yeah. I, I, I got a tour with the, with the developers. Oh. And if you go into the Shake Shack, look on the walls and you'll see where the chalkboards used to be. You'll see the anchors for the chalkboards. You just have to look close where oh, it, was, wow. it was put into the wall. Oh, um, I've got to go. I've got they, to go see that. They, um, I think they actually won an award from Preservation Utah and rightly deserved. And I know it probably so, wasn't preserved in the way that a lot of people would have liked to have seen it preserved. Yeah. But the building itself is still standing. And yes, they did um, demolish an attachment to it um, that was built in like the 60s. More or, modern. Yeah, the yeah. more modern. But the um, the gymnasium. And when we were walking through the gymnasium, we were taught, I was just telling them of what an incredibly special place it was. And they said, yes, and we're very picky about who's going to go in here because it's a very special space. And I guess now it's a, it's like an event space, like a wedding oh. space or something like that, oh, that's which is, which is perfect for it, yeah. but so cool, you know, and you see that, but I think that also gives us like, um, relief like yes. like it makes us go okay we it can be done. it can be done so so you know yeah. so you, you fight for the next one you know you fight for the for oh. the preservation of the next one and you yep. start getting these wins and these wins just you know bring about more we really need a win on this one we suffered such a hit with that first I agree. Carnegie library and and this i would say is not as visually impactful from the exterior but we, our community does need a win. We, yes. And it's not just us preservationists. Our community needs a win here. Right. Um, and, and our community needs to be that win, honestly. Um, we Our recent effort was to try to get people out to the RDA meeting a couple weeks ago. And we had so many people write in their comments. And I would say like 90% of them were, please don't put in more you know, high-density infill. We cannot sustain it. It's going to ruin the park. Right. And then a lot of them were also... Um, you know, please preserve this building, right? Please don't, there's no, there's no reason that this can't be saved and turned into something else wonderful, right? Right. I mean, you know, we had, we lost the Murray High, original Murray High, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and again, understandable, you yeah. know, but um, it, it's still, gosh, yeah. it still would, it still would be nice, it but would, you know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but so I, I, you know, I realized that, that the, the, the fights with school districts is a completely different animal it, it than is. what we're fighting right now for the Arlington. You know, it's interesting because um, our our we have our own school district in Murray, as I mentioned before, mm -hmm. and um, which I think is wonderful. I just love that anything independent. I think it's great. Um, but I the 
they have a building program that they do with their, I think it's like the trades or the shop classes mm-hmm. where they will do, um, they'll teach them how to build a house, which is reminiscent of the WPA thing, right? Yeah. So training on the job. Yeah. And they have a really neat program like that. And they're going to be, so the school district owns some property in one of our little um, historic smelting neighborhoods. Uh-huh. And there's um, a couple of little smelters houses that are left on them, but they have been abandoned for years and boarded yep. up. And um, we recently did a walking tour of that neighborhood. And um, the superintendent um, wants, has talked to me briefly, and I need to get back in touch with her, but about doing sort of like a documentary of um, that house because they're not going to be able to save it. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, um, I would, what I would love to see happen is that trades building department or, you know, program in the uh-huh. school turn into a preservation right? program yeah. or at least incorporate something like yeah. that because that would do what the WPA was doing for people that needed work back in the thirties. Mm-hmm. It would allow another set of people to have those skills and say, Hey, we don't, you know, we, education is part of what we would love to do if we had more people right. to do that. Right. I'm, I'm currently in charge of advocacy, which is, you know, gratefully why I'm here, uh-huh. <laughs> but I also education ad- and advocacy go hand in hand. Yes, and they I do. haven't had time to really put the focus on the education part as much as I need to. Yes. But educating not just the community, but also, um, getting them enthusiastic about, hey, you know, let's teach this. Let's revive this skill set in the young people. How amazing would that be? Uh-huh. Like for, uh, you know, um, to see kids learning the old school methods yeah. of doing things in the old school trades and passing that along. I think if that was made perhaps a lot more accessible, I mean, it's just me guessing. I think so. But maybe people would be more apt to restore their historic homes rather than, you know, then put make them, them in the landfill, <laughs> put them in the landfill or make them look like they belong on, you know, yeah. the HGTV property yeah. brothers episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I think there's, there needs to be an embracing and a room for both types of skill sets. Mm-hmm. Like there's a need for the high tech, you know, obviously we live in that kind of world, but I don't like that it's crowding out everything that was so handcrafted yeah. and so personal and so um, like someone could could say, I built that with personal pride in it, right? And they and they do have personal pride because yeah. their work spoke to their character, right. right? Right. You don't get that when you get a big anonymous collective of um, developer built buildings. Like right. you don't know who to praise or blame for whatever yeah. happens with it, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so and so people are less likely to take ownership of their work or care about what it looks like or how it affects people's day-to-day lives. Yes. Right? Yeah. So so here's like, you know, the big question. Yeah. Why should people get on board with saving the Arlington? I think we've covered a few of it. Yeah. But if you had some more to say about that, what would what would you say? So we we have a a demographic shift happening in our community like we like a lot of communities do but we still have a large um, population of older demographic and I, honestly um, that kind of motivated us to even start because all of us had have people in our lives that are from that older demographic and um, it's it's great to sit and hear them talk about well this was here and this is what we did and it was like it was people's life stories, right? And we still have a lot of people in our city that 
have touchstones, as you mentioned, like with, with the Bonneview schools, like, mm-hmm. oh, that place is still there. And how much does that matter to somebody who's like at the end of their life trip, right? To have those visual and, and, and spatial right. place markers. Right. Uh, and, and I know that that's not something I can ever take to the city council and say, hey, this is why you should change the, your mind. The right? emotion, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, save this building up with, because of the emotional impact it has. But it's real. <laughs> and it's not just emotional impact. Even, and I don't like how much that gets downplayed. Like, oh, well, it's just emotional. It doesn't matter. Because right. people treat it that way. But that's way. almost the biggest part of it. Right. It's a quality of life issue. Yeah. And that's and that's how I phrase it when I talk to the city. I'm like, this is a quality of life issue. So you're putting more and more high density in and it's particularly egregious when it takes out our historic buildings, our place markers. And do you ever stop to consider, okay, so you've been asked by the state to do this, right? And you're for whatever reason decided to go along with it. I still don't understand that one, why they have to. Um but they they don't are they ever considering how that's impacting the people that are already here that right. are living here that have been right. there for you know generations of Murray citizens mm-hmm. that are you know rooted and established right and it doesn't seem to ever ever come up as a consideration yeah. and i'm like why <laughs> doesn't <Yeah>. it <laughs> yeah and I'm going to keep asking the question until I get an answer. And even if it's not a good answer, I'll sit down and argue with somebody about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's like I not argue, but I do like a robust discussion. I right. Say that. Right. <laughs> so. So, what can people do um, to help out? Like, um, what should they do? So, one of the problems we've run into is that it is the older demographic that um, is is being, you know, affected by having all of these things taken out, but it's all of us that are being affected, but that's really what prompted us with that in view to set up the foundation. But they're also the ones that many of them aren't as in touch with technology. Right. And Mm -hmm. so when there's, there's a gap in communication. So when we get on the Murray citizens page on Facebook and say, everybody contact your representatives, you know, um, I have any number of neighbors in my neighborhood that are not going to see that information and are not going to be aware that that's they're going not on, on Facebook, right? They're not. So word of mouth, word of mouth. And we need people that will volunteer to help us canvas neighborhoods with like informational brochures or help us label postcards. Or, you know, what we need most of all is we have not had this, the power, the manpower, the person power to, um, fundraise and we badly need funds. We've got a very, very tiny, (laughs) tiny reserve and we're, we've been using it to do, um, mailing campaigns to get people aware of the RDA meetings. Which mailing campaigns, people are very expensive. (laughs) It's, it's the, it's the most effective, but they're very expensive. They're very expensive and they're really hard to pull off. So here's an example um, we just had to do one for the RDA meeting that was coming up to try to get people out. And it was right over the um, human rights holiday, right? So mail doesn't get delivered that day. Yep. We are on- only find out that there's going to be a meeting regarding this if we're lucky with like maybe 48 to 72 hours advance notice. Mm-hmm. They're only required to give 24 yeah. hours. So we're finding out this is happening like on Friday. We scrambled to get a Canva design put together and... And I'm like, I took the entire day out. Like, I'm just like, I can't, 
I can't get to anything else today. So I took the entire day of that Friday before the RDA meeting on the next Tuesday. And we knocked out this, this thousand postcard mailing campaign. And I was scrambling to get it all done and get it to the post office before four o'clock last pickup, et cetera, uh-huh. et cetera. And it's, it's just crazy. And so like, I'm willing to put in that kind of sacrifice. I know not everybody can or is, and I respect that, but we do need more people, more hands on deck, more people that are willing to monetarily contribute to us um, so that we can actually go after some bigger grants and some funding that way. There's always two things missing in historic preservation, two things that are greatly lacking. Time, money, and manpower. There you go. Time, money, and manpower. (laughs) Three. Yes. Yes. So So how can people uh, get involved? With you. Um, we are at historicmurrayfirstfoundation.org on the internet um, on our website, and we have a lot of really great uh, resources there. We have lecture series that we do that t- talk that about. fantastic. Have you been able yes. to tune in? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have another one coming up on historic windows, um, specifically wood historic windows, which often you know, this is really important. It we is. need to save our historic windows. They're a whole thing. People, Don't believe the hype that yes. replacing your historic windows are better. Our board president is going to love that you said that. <laughs> she's all about historic windows, and she's the one who's giving the the lecture. She did our Victorian house, how to re, how to renovate a Victorian house. Amy Thomas. She's Fantastic. fantastically talented. Um, so she's going to be giving that in early. I think early March, I want to say, but the dates are on our website. And also the, you can sign up for your, it's, it's free, but you know, you can reserve. Yep. So we know how many people to expect. And we have those at the Murray library. And um, so we have our lecture series there. We have our blog posts that talk about all the things that Wendy and I have been discussing. Um, it has all the dates of when these buildings were up. Um, it also right now we've got sort of a focus on our volunteer um, form. We've been trying to get the word out, making posts on social media saying, hey, we, we really need all of you to help us. We know this matters to you. You've said right. that in the survey results. And uh, we need you to stay engaged on an ongoing basis. That's the only thing that's going to save the Arlington and yeah. the other buildings. Yeah. If it, it matters, you know, and if you have the time and the ability, please get involved. It's got to it's, matter can, you have on a to continuum. Have, <laughs> you have to have boots on the ground to make change. You do, um, because it's a lot of work. And there's something about it. I don't know what it is because we've hit our frustration saturation point so many times, right? And and people do. Historic preservation is a hard gig. Right. It's really hard. Um, but there's worth in it. Yes. There's society saving worth in yes. saving our built environment. Right. <laughs> it will rehumanize humanity. And that's a, that's a big claim, but I'm going to stand by it. Um, and, and so being involved in that and, and also if you can't volunteer at the very least you can do is if you care about this enough, add your voice to the voice of, of everyone else who's going to be writing to the, um, RDA, the Murray RDA and the Murray mayor's office administration, basically the Murray government, um, and I can get you those I links. Will put, I will put links in the show notes to that. And also I'll put links in my bio. Yes, I appreciate it. And so keeping in communication and on top of um, contact with the representatives. And we say, don't even just worry about reaching your representative in your district. Reach I don't out even to live in Murray. Right, I don't right. even live in Murray. Right. But <laughs> anytime there is a historic um, issue that comes up, I don't it's live like, in there, but I'm still going to put in my two cents worth. There are people that are all over the place that are like, don't let this happen to Murray. I you know I lived there 
grew up there, you know, and people right. care that are Yeah. So even, even outside, if you don't live in Murray, still put your voice in. Because the, the goal of the city, and I will say this, the goal of the city is and should be to make Murray a hub for people to come into. And that used to be the... I think the logo of the oh, city wow. it was the hub. Oh, okay. It was um, it was like the picture back. of a hub, um, because Murray was right in the center of Salt Lake Valley, yep. and and that's what it should still be, right? So everyone's complaining about the rundown block one downtown area. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so let's let's perk up what we've got, yeah. not tear it down, perk it up, and make it somewhere really unique, right? Right, with correct appropriate infill that's not hugely overshadowing, right. And people will want to spend time here like they do at ninth and ninth. Yep. Right. And easy, right? Except it's not because we're having to fight big money. Yes. And that always talks louder. So we need more voices. Big money and developments yes. is hard to fight. Yep, it is. Yes. So lend your voice. Please. We're very grateful for everybody who does speak up because they've been very responsive. People have been very responsive when we said, hey, this meeting is happening. Please write in. And they do. People have. They've been really wonderful. So we know they care. Well, in the success of success, sorry, of saving the Murray theater shows that yeah. it can be done. Yeah. It can, it, it's, it can be done. We just really need to. There has to be the will. So we know there's the, the will. public will, yep. but the public will is what prompts the governmental right. will, right? So right. if you think your voice doesn't matter, you're wrong. You just need to add it to a lot of people. It does. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, um, we'll link all of this stuff so that you all can get involved and hopefully you will. And if you have some spare change in your pocket and you want to up your happiness quotient in life, <laughs> you can uh, send, invest in historic send some Murray. to invest yeah. in historic Murray because, um, again, because we're trying, we're trying to get them to build a place that everybody will want to come spend time with their families in and really enjoy. So it would be a worthwhile investment. So there's a few ways you can get involved. Yep. Yeah. Thank and you so much. Yes. Thank you for joining me, Rachel. It's I really appreciate it. Awesome opportunity. Thank you, Wendy. All right. We'll keep our fingers crossed and yes. hope for the best. Thank you. All right. Thanks. I've included links in the show notes to Historic Murray First Foundation and the Murray City RDA, so you can email your thoughts about saving the Arlington School. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Demolish Salt Lake Podcast for cool pictures and additional content. I'm also on Twitter at Demolish SL Pod. I'll be back soon with another fantastic episode, and I will see you then.